Misty here again, and I'm here to get you out of the doom and gloom reports of everyday life by bringing a smile to your lips and a warmth to your heart, by dishing up some of my own real life stories from behind my bifocals and adding up lifting and humorous stories from others. Today, we're going to begin with the folded napkin. It's a trucker story. There's lots of different things to share with you in this podcast. This week, we're sharing our view on self-help junkie books. You won't want to miss the wiles of a woman and an unusual tale about a funeral dog. And we'll finish up with tips for handling telemarketers and junk mail. Now, here's a beautiful, heartwarming story. It's called The Folded Napkin, and it's a trucker's story. Well, I try not to be biased, but I had my doubts about hiring Stevie. His placement counselor assured me that he would be a good, reliable busboy. But I had never had a mentally handicapped employee and wasn't sure I wanted one. I wasn't sure how my customers would react to Stevie. He was short, a little dumpy with the smooth facial features and thick tongued speech of Down syndrome. I wasn't worried about most of my trucker customers because truckers don't generally care who busses tables as long as the meatloaf platter is good and the pies are homemade. The four-wheeler drivers were the ones who concerned me, the mouthy college kids traveling to school, the yuppie snobs who secretly polish their silverware with their napkins for fear of catching some dreaded truck stop germ, the pairs of white-shirted businessmen on expense accounts who think every truck stop waitress wants to be flirted with. I knew these people would be uncomfortable around Stevie, so I closely watched him for the first few weeks. I shouldn't have worried. After the first week, Stevie had my staff wrapped around his stubby little fingers, and within a month, my truck regulars had adopted him as their official truck stop mascot. After that, I really didn't care what the rest of the customers thought of him. He was like a 21-year-old kid in blue jeans and Nikes eager to laugh and eager to please, but fierce in his attention to his duties. Every salt and pepper shaker was exactly in its place. Not a breadcrumb or coffee spill was visible when Stevie got done with the table. Our only problem was persuading him to wait to clean a table until after the customers were finished. He would hover in the background, shifting his weight from one foot to the other, scanning the dining room until a table was empty. Then he would scurry to the empty table and carefully bust dishes and glasses into his cart and meticulously wipe the table up with a practice flourish of his rag. If he thought a customer was watching, his brow would pucker with added concentration. He took pride in doing his job exactly right, and you had to love how hard he tried to please each and every person he met. Over time, we learned that he lived with his mother, a widow who was disabled after repeated surgeries for cancer. They lived on their social security benefits in public housing two miles from the truck stop. Their social worker, who stopped to check on him every so often, admitted they had fallen between the cracks. Money was tight, and what I paid him was probably the difference between them being able to live together and Stevie being sent to a group home. 
That's why the restaurant was a gloomy place that morning last August, the first morning in three years that Stevie missed work. He was at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester getting a new valve or something put in his heart. His social worker said that people with Down syndrome often have heart problems at an early age, so this wasn't unexpected, and there was a good chance he would come through the surgery in good shape and be back at work in a few months. A ripple of excitement ran through the staff later that morning when word came that he was out of surgery, in recovery, and doing fine. Franny, the head waitress, let out a war hoop and did a little dance in the aisle when she heard the good news. Marvin Ringers, one of our regular trucker customers, stared at the sight of this 50-year-old grandmother of four doing a victory shimmy beside his table. Franny blushed, smoothed her apron, and shot Marvin a withering look. He grinned. Okay, Franny, what was that all about, he asked. We just got word that Stevie's out of surgery and going to be okay. I was wondering where he was. I had a new joke to tell him. What was the surgery about? Franny quickly told Marvin and the other two drivers sitting at his booth about Stevie's surgery, then sighed. Yeah, I'm glad he's going to be okay, she said, but I don't know how he and his mom are going to handle all the bills. From what I hear, they're barely getting by as it is. Marvin nodded thoughtfully and Franny hurried off to wait on the rest of her tables. Since I hadn't had time to round up a busboy to replace Stevie and really didn't want to replace him, the girls were bussing their own tables that day until we decided what to do. After the morning rush, Franny walked into my office. She had a couple of paper napkins in her hand and a funny look on her face. What's up? I asked. I didn't get that table where Marvin and his friends were sitting cleared off until after they left and Pete and Tony were sitting there when I got back to clean it off, she said. This was folded and tucked under a coffee cup. She handed the napkin to me and three $20 bills fell onto my desk when I opened it. On the outside in big, bold letters was printed, something for Stevie. Pete asked me what that was all about, she said. So I told him about Stevie and his mom and everything and Pete looked at Tony and Tony looked at Pete and they ended up giving me this. She handed me another paper napkin that said something for Stevie scrawled on its outside. Two $50 bills were tucked within its folds. Franny looked at me with wet, shiny eyes, shook her head and said simply, truckers. That was three months ago. Today is Thanksgiving, the first day Stevie's supposed to be back to work. His placement worker said he's been counting the days until the doctor said he could work. And it didn't matter at all that it was a holiday. He called 10 times in the past week, making sure we knew he was coming fearful that we had forgotten him or that his job was in jeopardy. I arranged to have his mother bring him to work. I then met them in the parking lot and invited them both to celebrate his day back. Stevie was thinner and paler but couldn't stop grinning as he pushed through the doors and headed for the back room where his apron and busing cart were waiting. Hold up there Stevie, not so fast, I said. I took him and his mother by their arms. Or can wait for a minute to celebrate your coming back. Breakfast for you and your mother's on me. I led them toward a large corner booth at the rear of the room. I could feel and hear the rest of the staff following behind as we marched through the dining room. Glancing over my shoulder, 
I saw booth after booth of grinning truckers, empty, and joined the procession. We stopped in front of the big table. Its surface was covered with coffee cups, saucers, and dinner plates, all sitting slightly crooked on dozens of folded paper napkins. First thing you have to do, Stevie, is clean up this mess, I said. I tried to stand stern. Stevie looked at me, then at his mother, then pulled out one of the napkins that had something for Stevie printed on the outside. As he picked it up, two $10 bills fell on the table. Stevie stared at the money, then all the napkins peeking from beneath the tableware, each with his name printed or scrawled on it. I turned to his mother. There's more than $10,000 in cash and checks on that table, all from truckers and trucking companies that heard about your problems. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, it got real noisy about that time with everybody hollering and shouting, and, and there were a few tears as well. But you know what's funny? While everybody else was busy shaking hands and hugging each other, Stevie, with a big smile on his face, was busy clearing all the cups and dishes from the table. Best worker I ever had. Plant a seed and watch it grow. Now here's one about self-help junkie books. I know I'm sure most of you have read one or two in your lifetime. Well, you'd think after all these years, I could be writing how-to books instead of reading them. They tell me these books are booming in sales. How to lose weight and keep it off in only 12 weeks and no dieting. Sounded real easy to me. I figured I could eat what I wanted and the weight would fall off. I just had to be disciplined and wait for the 12 weeks to pass. Don't buy that book. It didn't work. The only thing that came off in that time was my clothes, shoes, watches, and jewelry that I had to strip off before I got on those nasty scales that always lied to me. How to make money the easy way. By the time I did all the stuff, like picturing in my mind to see money flying in, by watching what my mind was chattering about and trying to stop it from coming to life out of my mouth, I was pooped. I wondered if I had missed some of the easy stuff. Now here's one, How to Make Your Man Happy. Now that book was the easiest book to digest for me. I had that down pat. Why, I was married to him, wasn't I? That should be enough. Clem, my hubby, is the happiest man I know. He has no need to talk back, to argue, to think, or make decisions. I do all of that for him. So all he has to do is relax and enjoy life with me. He knows how good that is. And here's another, How to Be a Five-Figure Woman. I didn't even buy that book because I know all about that one too. In all my years, I've had many figures, lots more than five, right from a size 10 up to a 24, and lots of in-betweens. And, you know, here's another, How to Use a Crock-Pot for Simple and Easy Meals. I bought that one in a flash because I thought it said crackpot, and I'm already married to one. And I thought, boy, this here book can tell me how to get him off his duffer to do some cooking. Well, how to organize your closets for more space. Hey, do they think I'm that gullible? They haven't seen my closets, especially when uninvited company comes and knocking at our door. 
everything gets shoved in there and has been known to house Cranky Cat when she wants to hide after she's got old crabby dog Mac. Well, I've decided to get on that bandwagon, folks. Watch for my new book to be released when I write it and some publisher falls in love with it. How to live till you croak. Now here's the wiles of a woman. Have you ever seen a $20 bill all crumpled up? Asked the bite. No, he said. She gave him a sexy little smile, slowly reached into her cleavage and pulled out a crumpled $20 bill. Have you ever seen a $50 bill all crumpled up? She asked. No, he said. She gave him another sexy little smile seductively reached into her knickers and pulled out a crumpled $50 bill. Now, she said, have you ever seen $30,000 all crumpled up? No, he said intrigued. Well, go and take a quick look in the garage. Don't think I've ever seen a dog at a funeral, but maybe. So here's a, a fun one about a funeral dog. An Italian man was leaving a convenience store with his espresso when he noticed a most unusual Italian funeral procession approaching the nearby cemetery. A black hearse was followed by a second black hearse about 50 feet behind the first one. Behind the second hearse was a solitary Italian man walking a dog on a leash. Behind him, a short distance back, were about 200 men walking single file. The man couldn't stand the curiosity. He respectfully approached the Italian man walking the dog and said, I'm so sorry for your loss, and this may be a bad time to disturb you, but I've never seen an Italian funeral like this. Whose funeral is it? My wife's. What happened to her? She yelled at me and my dog attacked and killed her. He inquired further, but who is in the second hearse? The Italian man answered, my mother-in-law. She was trying to help my wife when the dog turned on her. A very poignant and touching moment of Italian brotherhood and silence passed between the two men. Can I borrow the dog? The man replied, get in line. Well, here's some tips for handling telemarketers. Now I know we've all experienced that. Here's three little words that work. One, the three little words are, hold on please, saying this while putting down your phone and walking off instead of hanging up immediately would make each telemarketing call so much more time consuming that boiler room sales would grind to a halt. Then when you eventually hear the phone company's beep, beep, beep tone, you know it's time to go back and hang up your handset which has efficiently completed its task. Two, do you ever get those annoying phone calls with no one on the other end? This is a telemarketing technique where a machine makes phone calls and records the time of day when a person answers the phone. This technique is used to determine the best time of day for a real salesperson to call back and get someone at home. What you can do after answering if you notice there's no one there, is to immediately start hitting your number sign button on your phone six or seven times as quickly as possible. This confuses the machine that dialed the call and it kicks your number out of their system. 
Gosh, what a shame not to have your name in their system any longer. Three, junk mail. When you get those pre-approved letters in the mail for everything from credit cards to second mortgages and similar type junk, do not throw away the return envelope. Put this and your other junk mail in this envelope and return it all in the free return envelopes. That was shared with Andy Rooney, CBS Newsman. I'd love to hear from you. And if you would, please send us an email at liz at lizunderhill.com or visit us at www.lifewithauntlizzie, and that's L-I-Z-Z-I-E, Com and leave us a comment. If you have some stories of your own that would be uplifting to our listeners and would like to share, please send us an email with story in the subject line. Some of these stories you've heard are from my uplifting little magazine I publish called the Chatterbox News. If you would enjoy receiving the Chatterbox News, please send us an email at lizatlizunderhill.com and put Chatterbox in the subject line. Meanwhile, take care, keep smiling, until the next time, bye for now.